You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 153. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we have three Your Stock Our Take segments for your listening pleasure. The first is on IBI Group Inc., symbol IBG on the TSX, a global provider of range a range of professional services, including architecture, engineering, planning, and technology solutions. With solid net earnings growth and a strong backlog, a listener asks us if IBI could be an acquisition target for one of the larger engineering companies such as WSP or Stantec. Our second Your Stock Arcade came in from a listener on CloudMD Software and Services, Inc., symbol DOC on the TSX Venture. The company is digitizing the delivery of healthcare by providing patients access to all points of their care from their phone, tablet, or desktop computer. CloudMD offers SaaS-based health technology solutions to medical clinics across Canada through the combination of a connected primary care clinic's telemedicine, and artificial intelligence. A listener asks us if the company offers value after the drop from its highs earlier this year. Finally, in the wake of the big Canadian bank earnings announced over the past week, Aaron answers a question on National Bank of Canada, symbol NA on the TSX, which hit an all-time high this week, touching above $100 a share after reporting solid quarterly numbers. So let's get into the show. Uh like to welcome my co-hosts, Aaron, Brennan. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Well, we're doing well, I think, Brennan. Yep. Can't complain. I don't mean to speak for you here. Did you listen? Did you listen to Money Talks? I try. I try not to, to listen whenever in. you're on. Um, <sighs> the but one I, time I, you I listen it, all right? other weeks. No, I I, well, I did listen, and it was uh, it's it's too bad. So right, I I do think that um, it is good that you happen to be. One of the guests on the on the very last show. I think that that was very fitting. The guest, basically. The, the guest. Well, the Come most on. important guest, certainly. <laughs> and after hearing that, they canceled the show, right? So yeah, well, I think that. it probably was due to something that you said, but probably, probably, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I was honestly honored to be the last guest on that program. It's been on for over three decades. Um, it's not ending, though. We like to put that out there. It is continuing as a weekly podcast. It'll be on again this week, eight uh, thirty Pacific. Sorry, time. yes, it is on no air. longer on CKNW Radio, but yes, the, yeah. but the, the course, show yeah, continues, yeah. and we will continue, obviously, to be guests on the show and provide content as well. Yeah, for sure, and and you know it, it's going to be money talks uncensored, so maybe we'll be able to. Uh, you know, really got on there and tell you what we view, what we really feel. No, we're actually on there telling you what we really feel about companies all the time. We've been doing that for 
15, 18 years on the show. And we'll continue to do that going forward to continue to provide more content. And we may even have uh, more of a place on the show going forward. So we'll see if we can get into that in future shows. I thought this week we could go over some topics that I discussed uh, in regards to the general markets on the show in this week's podcast. Next week, um, I'm going to tease, we might even get into a couple of the companies that are actually in coverage that we mentioned on the show. Some of the true uh you know diamonds in the rough that we look for those companies underfollowed great earnings great growth uh in cash flow good balance sheets uh trading at reasonable valuations the type of small cap growth related companies that typically aren't covered in canada i think there's maybe one analyst between the three stocks uh that we mentioned last week so we can uh, elaborate on those companies as a teaser we'll talk about those next week on the show uh, the topics in terms of general market topics that I touched on were well, first we can, you know, delve into, I'll tell you what I said on the show, investment sentiment and sectorial shifts um, and how they uh, kind of uh, how they show you that the, the importance of constructing a well constructed portfolio. Um, and when I talked about sentiment and sectorial shifts, um, these are always going to be part of the market. Uh, people will say what works one year may not necessarily work the next. We're not going to pay too much attention to sectorial shifts because we're going to focus on the cash flow and the earnings behind the companies that can survive any type of market for one to five years going forward. But we, you know, we observe these type of shifts in the market. And I'll give you an example of this for much of 2020. Last year, gold stocks performed well, and heading into 2021, gold was a big theme. Gold stocks have actually not performed well in 2021 at all. Um, Same could be said for cannabis stocks. Big moves at the end of 2020, and to start 2021, a huge move, now correcting 30% on average since March. So... Uh, one to three years forward, five years forward, those sentiments uh, that, you know, to be invested in cannabis and gold related stocks might be right. But if you put your money uh, or a big part of your investment portfolio, if you had 10 stocks and you put eight of them in those two sectors, for example, you would be down considerably to start this year. Um, there's sentiment shifts that happen all the time. You guys want to talk about that for a second or? Sure. So. I mean, and this is something that we've discussed a lot over the years. I mean, going back, you know, 10 plus years is that the the market is very fickle in terms of what investors like in any particular year or any particular quarter and certain themes become popular very quickly. uh, And then sometimes just as quickly, they become unpopular. Now, when we're looking at individual companies, of course, we're always focused on buying companies that have great individual fundamentals. But sometimes those stocks are going to be categorized in, in these different themes as well. It's really impossible to predict where market sentiment is going to go. And that's one of that's one of the reasons why yeah, we that's take, the key. You can't. Yeah, predict. exactly. That's one of the reasons why we take a longer term approach. And by longer term, I'm not meaning necessarily 20 years on an individual stock, although if a stock continues to grow over that period we'd love to own it for 20 years but really you know two to three years two to three years or one to three years for a company a good solid company to execute a strategy for that to show up reflect in the share price is a reasonable time frame when you're entering into a stock not not you know one quarter or six months you need to give a company a couple years and then sometimes whatever you're expecting to happen can happen sooner um but you know, shifting in and out of different sectors or different themes, 
I find that investors that do that, they're always going to be chasing returns. They're always going to be a little bit late and they're not going to make as much money as what they think. So that's why our perspective on building a portfolio is always to build a portfolio based on a mix of different types of companies. And some people would consider this, they'd say, well, that's just diversification. And it is, it's diversification. But rather than looking at this, you know, standard diversification would be to say, well, you need a little bit of every sector, right? Well, I don't think you need a little bit of every sector necessarily no. in a in an actively managed individual stock portfolio. But what I would rather divide companies into more or less would be, you know, gross stocks, defensive stocks, dividend stocks, like these types of categories. And within these categories, there's different sectors and sectors can sometimes be partially categorized in one or the other. Um, but it's it's to build your portfolio based on a mix of these types of companies. And we've always said, you know, dividend growth or dividend growth stocks. So companies that are paying a dividend and increasing the dividend over time, they they're a great way to build a strong foundation for your portfolio. Then you can augment that return by adding on layers of risk, uh, more growth oriented companies, some things that with higher risk level. And when you build a portfolio with a mix like that. Um, you're going to benefit from. So like last year, for example, in 2020, a lot of capital really flowing into the into the growth stocks. Um, you're benefiting. Yeah, from I mean, that. for example, like our Canadian small cap portfolio in 2020 up 88 percent. Right. And it started tremendously in 2021. It's pulled back since there's probably some opportunities now. You look at our Canadian dividend or just Canadian dividend stocks generally underperformed in 2020 relative to the market. But if you look at this year, outperforming in many areas. I mean, you look at, I'm, I'm going to toot Aaron's horn here. He, uh, you know, we were talking about money talks. They have a conference, the World Outlook. Aaron recommended, you know, your boring REIT, Boardwalk REIT, BEI.UN on the TSX, about, you know, $34, $34.50. It's up, you know, 37%, not including the dividend in five months. And we see potential from growth from there. So you see these type of, quality dividend stocks outperforming over the first six to you know eight months of this year if you're trying to if you're trying to chase those returns every year we see this every year just with funds or etfs you, know, you see a good year in a certain fund and people all pile into that and then the next year it underperforms uh you want to be you know addressing all these sentiment shifts and aaron went into this it's just a well-constructed 15 to 25 stock portfolio mixed between high quality dividend growth, high growth undervalued and underfollowed small caps, U.S. growth and value stocks. Those are our three core areas of research. That's how we can add value. Um, if you if you want to do it by picking two to three stocks, you're going to have too much company-specific risk. Holding 50-plus stocks, you've just bought the market. You'll pay too much in fees and underperform. Again, this is why we stress that 15 to 25, focusing on... Not necessarily just sectorial diversification. You'll get there by trying to find really good companies in all those uh, areas that we looked at. But just you know, building that quality 15 to 25 stock portfolio, having a reasonable time horizon, that's important too as well. You know, I, I think that it's a very important point, and this is something that I'm even learning as I'm going through my own portfolio building process. Is having, like you said, you know, the dividend growth stocks, the U.S. growth stocks, as well as the Canadian small cap. Like personally, I gravitate towards the Canadian small cap, and like you said, Ryan, you know, 
like Canadian small caps haven't done that that well throughout you know this year where we've seen dividend growth stocks and some other growth stocks perform very very well so I've kind of seen my portfolio flat if not pull back where you know it is kind of nice where you can um, you know when you have those dividend growth stocks or other types of stocks essentially that you know when they're performing well maybe those Canadian small caps aren't performing well and then you know vice versa so I think that that's a great point and even in my own portfolio uh, building process I, I I'm learning that um, you know as I kind of yeah go. for sure no it's good and it's, it's not necessarily the balance but just having the Having uh, quality stocks in, in, you know, the dividend growth area. We're not talking the stodgy dividend payers. We're talking about companies that continually grow their dividend over time, and and they can add a good solid cash dividend, a little bit of uh, less volatility, and uh, and growth uh, uh, as they uh, continue to grow their cash flow and earnings over time. Another topic we talked about on the show, things we're watching right now, is M and A activity picking up. You have companies that are flush with cash in the market. Financing activity has been high. Debt is still cheap. Uh, M&A activity will continue. Um, I mean, we've, we looked at like a company in our Canadian small cap space. Uh, this is a company we've covered for five, six years. Um, it's been a long time recommendation. Photon control, symbol PHO on the TSX. Uh, it was recommended several times, uh, originally back at 46 cents, then 64, then 80, uh, upwards of a dollar. It was just acquired. And even last year, we were able to buy in the 80 cent range when it pulled back. Uh, it was acquired for $3.60 uh, just in the last month or so. Uh, why? It's a great cash ri- rich business, cash producing business, and eventually uh, it, the value gets re- realized. So, how do you benefit? from this going forward? Well, it's quite simple. Uh, You look for names with good balance sheets, good growth, good technology uh, that that you would like to buy. Typically, a larger player will discover it at some point. And just as we had with Photon Control, it can be a tremendous exit point to have the business bought out and uh, have the value recognized. Whether it happens, you know, if you're owning good companies, whether something like that happens three days from now, three weeks from now, three months, three years from now, you can never be certain. But if you hold those businesses, when M&A activity picks up, uh, those are the potential targets that uh, may be acquired. And um, we expect to see with many larger players, even mid-sized players cashed up right now, further M&A activities because... uh, Many short-term shareholders demand growth, and one way to grow is by using cash or your access to cheap debt and buy another business, and then you've got uh, built-in growth for the cor- over the course of uh, coming year. So we'll continue to follow yeah, that theme. I think theme. I could. Uh, I could also add on that, like there was another company, you know, as well that just got taken over is uh, IEC. I mean, that was from our U.S., but again, you know, we are seeing uh, an uptick, and uh, it's always nice to see a company under coverage get bought out. You yeah, know, I mean, we had, uh, we had sometimes it's nice to see. Sometimes it's also, you know, a little bit concerning that all the greatest stocks, uh, some of the best companies, do get bought out. But um, as long as it's at a at an excellent premium, then. We're usually supportive of it if we're getting good value for our, our investment. And then we, we go and look for the next one. I mean, new companies do come out all the time too. But um, And I think, Ryan, one of the questions that we get a lot from people is, you know, is this company, specific company, 
uh, XYZ, whichever one we're recommended, is it a takeout target or how do you figure yeah, out we what get is that a takeout a target? Yeah. Well, there's no way to know for sure, but it really just comes down to, you know, like what's the profile of the business? You know, it's it's likely you can have a, a general sense of whether or not this is something that is going to be a consolidator, um, meaning it's going to grow by acquisition or if somebody's or if another company is going to take it out or if there's going to be both. Uh, a lot of companies will grow by acquisition up to a point and then a bigger player will come in or private equi equity will come in and then take that business out. But it's really about focusing on, you know, what is a great business for a decent price. And then if you do that enough, you're going to have some of your companies uh, acquired at big premiums. Yeah. And I'm glad, Brennan, you brought up IEC because, you know, there was a, another great exit point. We've had, you know, two of those over the past couple of months uh, where, you know, Again, we're looking for companies that ha have value, a growth runway ahead of them, and trade at relatively reasonable valuations. Um, if you have and hold many of those in your portfolio, at some point, you'll wake up one morning and there's a bid for, I mean, like IECs was what, a 40, 50% premium to where the share price was trading. So you instantly got that gain in your account, which is tremendous to see. And, you know, our US clients benefited from uh, that takeover uh, in the past couple weeks so we can get into our your stock our take it's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold the first one i'm going to handle it's on ibg group inc symbol ibg on the tsx trades around ten dollars eighty cents 338 million dollar market cap what does the company do they are a global provider of a range of professional services, including architecture, engineering, planning, and technology solutions. Focuses on the physical development and ongoing management of urban environments. Its expertise is categorized in three areas of practice, infrastructure, buildings, and intelligence. So let's look at the Q2 2021 results. Net revenues increased 13% to $132 million. That was 4% higher than the pre preceding period. 7.6% organic growth, which is good. Net income uh, increased to 8.2 million, 22 cents per share, 23% or higher than uh, the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA margin was 15.9%. Uh, and it increased the guidance. IBI increased guidance uh, for 2021 net revenues to approximately 435 million from 422 million. That implies about 10.6% year over year growth. So that's decent growth this year. The The backlog is now at a record. It's up 17% year over year, uh, which is great to see, 604 million. So as the listener points out, IBG's quarterly numbers, they can be lumpy. Uh, it trades it right now around 15 times next year's earnings estimate and 13.5 times the 2022 estimate. That's relatively reasonable. Estimates are for, like we said this year, 11 to 12% growth and a modest 3% growth level in 2022. But this, in terms of revenues, this is not factoring in acquisitions, which are a potential here. Earnings in 2022 are expected uh, to grow uh, at 17%. So that's above that uh, revenue levels. It's great, not spectacular. But we think IBI is a solid business. Um, while we don't expect high growth, like 30 to 50% growth, with its strong backlog, uh, wind at its back in terms of potential infrastructure spending and a decent balance sheet, appears, uh, it appears to offer 
levels of growth that would be slightly higher than market over the near and midterm. Uh, it is interesting, well run, and potentially it could be one of those takeover targets like uh, the listener pointed out in this space from a larger firm. I think IBI is a quality company and it's one that we do monitor quite closely. It, it's, it is a good business. It, it has a long track record. And, and as as you did mention, it, it can certainly be volatile, um, you know, looking at the at the growth over the last three years, you know, yeah. fairly flat revenue. Um, I've always I've also found that the debt can be on the on the high level as well. But um, right now, like being a engineering consulting business, architectural business, one of the things that may be fueling growth is uh, money that's going into uh, infrastructure projects. So that's something in terms of future stimulus that could be a, a benefit to, to this company. So it's it's you know I it, for me I'm not rushing out to buy it tomorrow necessarily, but you know reasonable value relative to comparables. Um, and they are in a space where there could be some growth going forward. Yeah, if they could take revenue growth from like, you know, 10% to 15 or 20, like if they could ever get to that level uh, from a push from some infrastructure spending, you know, at, at the multiple they're trading at and the leverage they probably have in the business at that level, um, it could be very interesting. Um, you know, it would be nice to see uh, some a little bit higher growth in terms of revenues, but, you know, it's, it may materialize if they continue to build their backlog, uh, and we'll continue to monitor that. So our yeah, second so if I could also add, pardon, uh, yeah, you want to move on? It, it, yeah, I just wanted to make the point that I know that this did come in from uh, one of our clients, and I think that it's interesting, and I like the process that this individual is taking um, because he himself is, uh, you know, an architectural engineer, I believe. So he essentially kind of knows the industry. So I think that, you know, it's interesting. He's looking at a business that uh, he is familiar with and as well as it just kind of relates to what Peter Lynch kind of says is, uh, you know, buy what you know, you know. So it's, it's always a good thing to, you know, um, understand, you know, if you're essentially an insider in an industry, you know, and you have, you know, maybe above knowledge or, or more knowledge than the average Joe, uh, it is a good place to at least start looking for an investment. So I just wanted to make that point. I think that, uh, you know, that is, uh, he's going in the right direction. That's cool. Yeah. And it's always good to hear that from somebody who knows the industry that a company is well regarded. You can take a pause when you hear, mm -hmm. you know, you're looking at a company and you hear people say, oh, that company's a has a terrible rep in, rep, uh, reputation, so it can do the opposite. I mean, I'll, I'll relay a quick story. Um, Expel has a pretty good in this industry wide reputation, um, and I mean myself, and it's it's pretty well known now, uh, and it continues to grow its brand. I remember myself and Aaron were actually down at a conference in California and we just interviewed management there and we'd come out and the, I think the Uber cab driver had said, Oh, what are you guys doing in town? We said, Oh, financial. And usually people glaze over at that point, but he said, Oh, what, what are you talking about? Well, we actually uh, talked to a company expel that does uh, protective film for cars or we said protected films. I think we didn't even mention the name and he said, Oh, expel. And we were surprised that, uh, you know, it was that well known. He said, oh, those guys, you know, the, the, everybody, everybody loves them and, and where he's from and his market and all that. So, I mean, it was, it's good to hear people talking anecdotally, positively about a company. And that and that alone is why the company is up 5,000% plus in the past uh, four years. I'm kidding. But again, that can factor into your analysis as well, that uh, a good reputation in the industry, people saying good things about the company is usually positive as well. 
So let's get to uh, our next Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. It's on CloudMD Software and Services, Inc., DOC, on the TSX Venture. Brennan, you have that. Thank you. So this came in from someone on YouTube. Uh, again, CloudMD Software and Services, Inc., DOC, on the TSXV. Uh, currently trading at a price of about $1.79 and has a market cap of $434 million. So CloudMD Software and Services is digitizing the delivery of healthcare by providing patients access to all points of their care from their phone, tablet, or desktop computer. The company offers SaaS, or Software as a uh, Service-based health technology solutions to medical clinics across Canada through the combination of connected primary care clinics, telemedicine, and artificial intelligence. So last time I covered CloudMD, this was at uh, Q1 of 2020 when the stock was trading around 60 cents. And at that time, I highlighted the company uh, that it had great growth in revenue, but was trading at expensive multiples and still losing about 1 million in adjusted EBITDA per quarter. Nonetheless, the stock performed very well on its revenue growth and hype around its telehealth platform during COVID-19 which sent the stock soaring to over $3.40. So uh, my analysis then uh, didn't age uh, that great, of course. Um, now, looking at some key points here, uh, the company now has about 232 million shares outstanding, and that's as of August 25th, 2021. Now, I even said this last time I covered it. This is, again, another double of the share count. So they've, again, doubled the share count uh, you know, since the same time last year when they had about 115 million shares. Um, so that's something to definitely keep an eye on. Now, the company has made several equity raises and has acquired about 14 companies in the last 12 months. So they're definitely on a growth tear with acquiring businesses. And some of these recent acquisitions, just to uh, just to touch on a couple, uh, one was Vision Pros, which is a digital eyewear platform, and they acquired this business for about four and a half times sales and 45 times EBITDA. So I would you know, argue that this is definitely more on the pricey side. And another acquisition that they just recently closed in the quarter was on Syndium, which is a health management company which provides services. And, you know, some of the things that they offer is like, um, you know, nursing solutions to come to someone's home and whatnot. Uh, and the company paid about 1.9 times sales and about 18 times EBITDA for this business. So, again, you know, not that cheap, I would say. Um so let's, I guess, see if this growth has been accretive. So these uh, financial results for Q2 of 2021. Now, revenue was up 460% to $15.7 million compared to the same quarter last year. The increase was primarily due to acquisition growth, along with about 9% sequential organic growth over Q1 of 2021. Adjusted EBITDA was still a loss of about $700,000 compared to a loss of $1.3 million for Q2 last year. Now, this does look like a good improvement over last year, but keep in mind in Q4 and Q3 of 2019, adjusted, adjusted EBITDA was close to break even. So realistically, we you know it's been over a year and we haven't seen much progress towards profitability. And net loss per share was flat at a loss of about $0.03 cents per share. 
Now, the balance sheet looks decent, uh, where on June 30th, 2021, it had a net cash of about 21 million. Uh, this will probably change though after closing a couple of those acquisitions. So I believe that they will now have a slight net debt position. And then looking forward, the company did pro provide some outlook or guidance after its recent acquisitions, uh, with the company saying that is it, that it is on track to achieve annualized revenue run rate exceeding 140 million and positive adjusted EBITDA in the second half of 2021. So if we use that price to sales run rate, uh, we're getting at about uh, three times sales, which still isn't cheap in my opinion, considering the huge revenue base and just fractionally becoming profitable. Um, you know, in the last time that I covered uh, this stock, it was trading at, I believe, six times trailing sales. Um, so, I mean, it's coming more in line with, you know, where we would want to see it, but still pricey. And, you know, still, we really don't know how profitable it is going to be. So to conclude here, this is my take. Now, CloudMD has shown impressive revenue growth through acquisition, but along the way, the company has really made a little improvement toward profitability and has increased its share count by over 100 million shares compared to the same time last year. Now, it's not that the company cannot issue shares to grow accretively, but it is a much harder process to do so. So I'm a little concerned of this, and considering the company has no profitability, we could likely assume that this dilution will continue. Now, with CloudMD trading at three times forward sales, I would still argue that the company is pricey despite its impressive revenue growth as its bottom line really hasn't had a huge improvement since the last time I covered the stock. And I would also argue that the company has been paying up uh, for you know a few of its acquisitions so you know they're issuing shares they're paying up for these acquisitions you know it might be a, a hard path to uh, make these acquisitions actually accretive now this one is tough it's a good story and it's you know great to see management say the company should be adjusted EBITDA positive in the second half of the year but realistically it will be interesting to see how large this adjusted EBITDA is and how management can execute on really ramping up profitability going forward right now they've really been just you know essentially buying revenue uh, right now and you know they've been trying to get as much land as they can um, but you know this is really where it, it like the the rubber meets the road where we need to see the company really start to work towards profitability so all in all you know I would stay on the sidelines at this point um, but just like you know the the last time I covered it um, you know, who knows what sentiment will do. Maybe the stock will continue to run, but you know, it's not somewhere where I would place my hard, hard earned dollars right now. Well, right now the, um, the trend on the company is quite negative. Is it not? I mean, it was, it was only months mm -hmm. ago trading at, at about three fifteen. It's down to about a dollar 80 right now. So, uh, clearly investors are waiting for something. And some of this may be a shift in investor sentiment for me personally, of course, at Keystone, we're always looking for a profitable business, but I can also understand there are some companies out there in themes where they do invest a lot of money back into their own business, like cash flow um, that they create uh, from their own business. They invest it back into their business, which is a higher expense, and that can result in a net loss. But this isn't the case with CloudMD because there, there, there is some organic growth I see, but really um, it's primarily growth by acquisition. So you're, you're, you have an unprofitable business, you're you, you don't have cash flow to reinvest in the company, you're um, raising money by issuing a lot of shares, and then you're buying other companies which presumably aren't cash flow positive either. That's not a, that's not a model that I like. Um, 
I can get the tech model of if, you know, they were getting 20 to 30% organic growth in their own business and they didn't have to go out there and acquire other companies. They were just saying, well, we're operating at a net loss because we're reinvesting back in our own company and our own organic growth opportunities. That's something I could understand more, but I don't like the model of a company that doesn't have any profitability just going out there, raising shares, raising money through share offerings and buying other companies, which presumably aren't profitable either. You know, it's interesting. I mean, achieving an annualized revenue run rate of 140 million from where they came from is nothing to sneeze at. Um, they, you know, it's a high level from where they came from. Um, they're talking about a positive adjusted EBITDA in the second half of 2021. What we'd like to see is from management a target in terms of, you know, are you looking at a 20% adjusted EBITDA rate over the long term, 15%, 10%, 30%? Uh, something like that that could you know that we could model off of going forward. That's you know what we would look for from the company, and just to see uh, you know what the possibility is and what they actually think they can achieve, so we can value the company because we need you know cash flow at some point to be able to value this business. Uh, growth is good. Growth for the sake of growth on the top of the bottom, uh, top line without per share cash flow growth you know, never drives a stock over the long term. It can get, top line growth can get the market excited, uh, but to sustain growth over the long term, you're going to need cash flow on a per share basis. And uh, we'll continue to monitor if that comes from CloudMD over the long term. So let's move on to uh, our final company, our final Your Stock Arctic. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock Arctic buy, sell, or hold. Our third of the week, National Bank of Canada, NA on the TSX. Aaron has this. Okay, National Bank. Uh, trading right now at a price of about $100 per share. This is a $34 billion market cap company. And National Bank is the sixth largest bank in Canada. The company offers banking and financial services primarily in Quebec and Toronto. National somewhat flies under the radar relative relative to the other big six Canadian banks, which include Royal, TD, Scotia, BMO, and CIBC. National Bank is certainly less diversified than the other big six banks, all of which have operations throughout Canada, and in some cases internationally. However, in spite of flying under the radar, National has actually been the top performer of the group over the past five years. All of the banks have now released their fiscal Q3 results just over the past week, so now is a good time to do a review. Looking at National's fiscal Q3, uh, the company reported adjusted earnings per share of $2.39. This is an increase of 43% compared to the same quarter of last year. Nine-month earnings per share were $6.84, which is a year-over-year increase of 55%. So all of the banks have produced very strong performance in 2021. A part of this is making up for negative performance in 2020. So I really think that 2020, 2021, they're unusual years for the banks. They're kind of outliers. We certainly can't extrapolate any of this going forward, but certainly strong performance from national, 43% growth uh, in earnings per share in the quarter. But this really just puts the bank kind of in the mid amongst the big six. Uh, The top, 
top company in terms of Q3 financial results was actually Bank of Nova Scotia at 93% growth in earnings per share. However, this bank also, Bank of Nova Scotia also had the biggest decline in 2020 with earnings per share declining by 25%. So it's um, it's really a matter of looking forward and like what is what would be considered a better long-term growth rate. Um, horrible year in 2020 for the banks, very strong year in 2021. 2022, you know, we're looking at a return more to normalcy. So what does that look like? Well, for a bank like National, I think you're looking at, you know, roughly between the uh, the 7 to 10% growth um, in earnings per share over time. That's more or less what they've generated historically. Uh, if you look back in 2019, so this is before the pandemic, National actually had the highest growth of all the big six banks, 7% growth in earnings per share compared to the group average of negative 2%. In 2020, where all banks reported negative earnings growth, uh, National had the lowest decline of all the big six banks, negative 5% in adjusted earnings for the year compared to the group average of negative uh, 19%. So it's it's really uh, this year kind of mid-range um, going forward. It's it's one of the more growthier banks, but not necessarily at the top of the group. Uh, looking at the dividend yield, and of course, when we're looking at the banks, dividends are, are a major feature. I'm not necessarily, I don't look at the banks necessarily as growth stocks. I look at them as dividend growth stocks. So these are companies that pay a dividend and in normal periods they're growing those dividends on an annual basis fairly consistently so national bank actually has the lowest yield uh, of the group it's yielding right now 2.7 percent dividend yield uh, this compares to a bank like say scotia bank which has the highest yield uh, of 4.5 percent most of the others are, are yielding roughly around three and a half percent right now so national definitely below the group in terms of of yield um, I believe that uh, they're, they're towards the top in terms of dividend growth. Now, none of the banks grew their dividends in 2020 due to the pandemic. They still aren't growing their dividends in 2021. But in a normal period, you're generally seeing consistent uh, annual growth in dividends um, from, from these big six banks. So three-year growth rate for National Bank when they're growing their dividend, 4.6%. Uh, this, this puts them number three in the in the group uh td had the had the highest dividend growth rate over a three-year period of 5.6 percent followed by royal then followed by national five-year dividend growth for national bank is about 5.2 percent also puts them third in the group so right around the middle td once again uh, had the had the highest five-year dividend growth rate seven and a half percent followed by royal once again at 5.9 and then national so, um, you know, lower yield, but uh, middle of the pack, slightly higher dividend growth relative to the other big six. Overall, bank fundamentals do look very strong right now. If there's ever any industry or any sector that's too big to fail in Canada, it's certainly the banks. Uh, we do see the banks more as long-term producers of dividends and dividend growths. The banks have not been growing, as I said, their dividends during the pandemic, but we do expect this dividend growth to resume once there's more visibility in the, in, in the economy. We're not investing in banks. We don't suggest investing in banks for any near-term catalysts. Uh, these aren't short-term investments. These are long-term investments. You know, Collect that dividend, watch that dividend grow over time. Certainly the top two banks based on diversification and size are undoubtedly Royal Bank and TD. 
I would consider National to be higher higher risk than these than than the other two, due primarily to the size of National Bank and also due to the geographic concentration. Uh, but fundamentally, National is 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 strong and still a relatively conservative best investment. Just on the subject of size, just to give you some scale, thirty three million market cap is certainly a large company in Canada. But the next largest bank is, I believe, CIBC, which has double the market cap of National. And then if you're going all the way up to TD with one hundred and fifty million market cap, it's about five times the size. So there's a certainly a big size differential between these companies. Uh, investors looking for a banking stock with some growth could certainly consider National. I think it's one of the better names there. Uh, however, those looking more for an income stock, a dividend stock, should take into account that National does pay a lower yield than any of the other big six banks. Yeah, I think it's a great summary of the banks who were reporting earnings over the past week. And you know we do have a top pick in that sector, and it's uh, one of the well, it is the growthiest, really, bank, or the more. Uh, and we're looking for more growth from that business with a solid dividend yield as well going forward. And our clients definitely know which one we favor in that segment. Now, I think that's going to close off our show. Any closing comments, guys? I, th- I think that basically, you know, I, I, the only closing comment I'll make is that I'm looking forward to see what we can do with uh, with the Money Talk show, Michael Campbell's Money Talk show yeah. going forward. And it's it's uh, it's unfortunate that it's not going to be on CKNW radio, uh, but I do think that there's a major opportunity for them to really grow the show and, and, and the content of the show as well, yeah. which we're more than happy to contribute to. Um, having a podcast certainly gives you more flexibility to do that. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And and of course, Money Talks is going to continue to go. I believe that they still have their show planned for next Saturday. Yeah, so sign up It'll for their podcast. Yeah, podcast. And, yeah, sign yeah. up. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll send out a link. You know, I know that uh, we were talking or speaking with them and they told us that they'd get us a link. Yeah, and we'll send, send that over and too, uh, so. our clients can sign up and follow us on there as well. But continue to rate and review this podcast and we'll continue to grow the content on here over the long term. Um, Again, go to iTunes, do that. Keep your stock questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segments. Ask us anything. If you want us to compare two companies, which one we like, we'll do a debate on that going forward. And I'll tease next week. We're going to talk about the three companies we talked about on Money Talks last week and why we continue to like these undervalued growth-oriented uh, small cap names over the long term. Any, everyone, I'd like to thank you and continue to wish you profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.